Welcome to the Laws of Wellness, brought to you by Zaparis Lawyers. Here are your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to the Laws of Wellness, brought to you by Zaparis Lawyers. Marcus Pierce here with you, and as always, I'm joined by the King of Wellness. He is the He's not the senior associate. He's the senior partner. He is the founder of the Laws of Wellness. He is Dr. <laughs> Damien Christoph. How are you, great man? Uh, Pierce, you're hilarious. I am great. Thanks, mate. You're up for promotion for that, uh, <laughs> that unbelievable um, introduction. Thank you, Pierce. I'm really enjoying this series that we're doing for Zaparis Lawyers. And today's chat's a cracker. Today's chat is really, really good. And, uh, and I'm really glad that we were able to, you know, come together to talk about genes uh, and their role in you know in our health and well-being. That's right. It's a very topical conversation, I think, in the modern times. Over the last 10 years or so, I think uh, genes have really become a hot topic of conversation um, mm-hmm. for sometimes empowering reasons, for often disempowering reasons. And today we want to really put more weight back onto the empowering side and to uh, take away some of the fear that a lot of people have around genes and to provide some of the it seems like basic, but it's really fundamental. It's putting the stumps on the house of genes to really understand how important they are, um, to not be scared by them, to not see them as a destiny, to not see them as fatalistic, but to really bring some empowerment um, back to who we are as individuals and, and what our genes are. Yeah, absolutely. I thought you were going to say, when you said stumps on the house, I thought you were going to say wickets or bales on the wickets. But uh, but at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. And what we set about to achieve in this podcast is the simplicity of what genes actually are. And I think that's really important. And then also to think about, you know, what your family's got doesn't necessarily have to mean what you're going to get. And so that's that whole familial link. And so we finish with that. So there's some really great stuff that we discuss in this bit. And when I say discuss, there's a fair bit that comes from me. Um, but Marcus, you asked some great questions in there. Thank you. And because it helps to, it helps. And as people listen to this, they will probably want to ask the same questions that you ask. And so it's, it's kind of like a nice little instruction manual into the understanding of our own instruction manual. It's pretty mm, cool. Yeah, absolutely. You provide some great analogies. This is a wonderful episode to share with your friends and family, everyone at Zaparis. This is a public podcast that Zaparis have put on for everyone at Zaparis, but really so that you can easily share it with your family and friends. This is a cracker. Uh, not to sound like we've got tickets on ourselves, but we think, Demo, this is an engaging podcast on a very topical wellness topic, if that's such a thing. Enjoy this conversation on the laws of wellness on Genes 101. Damo, this is a Genes 101 masterclass. I couldn't think of anyone better to be answering these questions because you, great man, know everything there is to know about health and wellness. Isn't that right? No, I really don't. <laughs> but I can do, I can answer lots of things. And I have a perspective on lots of things to do with health. Um, and I think genes are a bamboozler, you know, and it's a massive, massive market. And there's people out there that are flogging gene tests left, right and center. And not to say that the flog of the gene test is a bad thing, but let me just say that it's just such a blip in the ocean of all of the knowledge that we probably still need to learn before we can be prescriptive about it and say, hey, this is the answer to a long life if you test your genes. 
Well, there are so many questions that I'm going to ask on behalf of the audience today. That is the wider public, because I agree with you. I think we're now got so many almost limiting beliefs around genes that we just put our genes down to every single um, illness under the sun. So let's, before we get into all of that, what are genes? In the most simplistic manner, if uh, you were going to be a walking dictionary, what would you spit out as a definition of a gene? Oh, such a great question. And for a lot of people, they'll have an idea of what genes would be. And at the simplest point, or the simplest description of what a gene is, is to understand that it's the instruction manual for the operation of your body. That's essentially what it is. It's really just a manual. It's kind of like the blueprint that your architect draws up, Um, or it's kind of like the book that sits in the library shelf. And the only time that it becomes knowledge or useful is when it's actually read from. And so it's only instructions. It has no function per se, except for to provide instructions when required. So, you know, the other day I was setting up my oven. It was put, put a new oven in and I couldn't get it to work. So because I'm a man, I had to go and try and troubleshoot it myself, instruction manual free, but I couldn't. So oh, then you're I one to, of them. You're one yes, of them. That's me. Oh, so no. Then I, decided, I could never do that. Yep. I went and I found the instruction manual. I went to the uh, the gene manual of that particular <laughs> oven. This is a great analogy. I love it. Yes. And I found the instruction on how to correct that particular fault and it worked. And so there was no, there wasn't faulty. It was just something that needed to be instructed so that something would actually happen. And now my oven works perfectly. And that's how a gene works. This is really cool. So, so, and I really encourage everyone to continue along with the analogy here. So, I've got a bookshelf in my office. I'm looking at it right now. It's my pride and joy um, in my office. That is, my wife and four kids are probably my real pride and joy. But what you're saying, true so. to this analogy, is that the books, as in the genes, the books only get opened when they're needed, when they're required. They're not a swimming, dynamic, always open, pages flapping everywhere organization. They're actually well organized. And, you know, a lot of people listening will have heard of genes being turned on and turned off. Using this book analogy, you're saying the books are only open to a certain page when necessary. You only go to the instruction manual for the oven (laughs) when there's a problem and you need to bring regular function um to that oven that's exactly right pc and essentially um the genes when everyone's familiar with the double helix the double helix is a pair of instructions from both the mum and the dad and so it comes from your mum and your dad and that they their dna half of their dna contributes to your dna and then so as a result of of that contribution as a result of what they've given you, that determines how you repair yourself. Now, let's say, for example, you injure your finger. You don't want the instruction manual for your finger to be repaired to come from your little toe because if you've got the genes for your little toe, the instructions on how to heal your little toe, you might end up with a little toe on your little finger, on your big finger. So it's very, very specific to a particular area of the body. Now, I've been a little bit simplistic about that because, you know, really – your, your skin, um, uh, you know, on your toe and on your finger are the same. But if you were reading how to heal skin on your big toe, but you were reading the chapter on how to heal your gut, 
you'd be using different nutrition and different approaches to manufacturing gut cells than you would big toe cells. Mm. And so the body's that specific in terms of it knows with the stem cells what the role of those particular cells are in a toe versus a gut. And uh, and so that's all to do with the genes. So I might be going a little bit quick, so pull me back if I'm skipping ahead. Um, but in modern society now, everyone's scared about what genes they have and what genes they don't have, you know. And, again, my inner journalist is like I feel like having certain genes is the greatest clickbait for media organizations if it's like you have the APOE4 gene, which means instantly the mass media will say you're going to get dementia and, you know, Chris Hemsworth will do a series on, um, you know, a number of health and wellness topics and there's this conversation of the APOE4 gene or, you know, whether when it was Angelina Jolie, it was the, I think it might have been the MTHFR. That was uh, the BRCA. That was, that was the BRCA. BRCA. Sorry, that yeah. was the BRCA. Yeah. I can't, you know, all yeah. of these acronyms and abbreviations. But can you talk to this um, conversation around I have this gene? Because in a minute I'll, I'll talk to you about, you know, family history and like, you know, do our parents' health conditions influence ours? But what about I have this gene? Because in the mass media, I think a lot of people feel like if they have that gene, then they're essentially signing up for a, a chronic disease, whether it's a, a cancer, a breast cancer in the Angelina Jolie uh, case and, you know, preventative measures on that or or dementia. Like, can you talk to that um, for the listeners? Yeah, yeah, totally. So what we, what we know about genes is that there's certain genes that program for certain you know types of dysfunction. And so what they've managed to do so far is classify some of those genes. So like you said before, the APO4, whatever that correlates to, it correlates to. The BRCA gene, we know that correlates to estrogen-sensitive receptors um, in um, estrogen-sensitive tissues, uh, such as the breast tissue of a woman and the uterine tissue and ovarian tissue of a woman. And it's thought that if you're a carrier of the BRCA gene and genes, plural, that you are de- you're destined to develop, you know, cancers. And so, some people, some women, have chosen to, as a prophylactic, as a preventer of getting those diseases, take chosen to have those organs removed uh, from their body in the hope that that would prevent them from um, developing those sorts of cancers. And that could be the best thinking of the time. You know what I mean? Like at some point in time, bloodletting was considered to be the best thing to do. And at some point in time, um, taking mercury uh, was the best thing to do um, at, at the time. And in, at some point in time, it was thought that just using broad-spectrum antibiotics could be really good for managing a virus, but we now know that's not the truth. Um, and so as time goes on and knowledge continues to evolve, we might actually learn that prophylactic radical mastectomy or prophylactic hysterectomy um, may not be the only thing or the best thing to do uh, for the prevention of those types of cancers for the BRCA gene. Now, that's just based on the current thinking. What what a, the understanding of the genes is at this point in time is that they turn on for some particular reason. In other words, there's a trigger. And Bruce Lipton, who is one of the great researchers in this space, and he was part of the Human Genome Project back in the 80s and 90s when they were trying to unravel the human genome, Bruce Lipton found 
that humans, by and large, have a perfect set of genes. And about 5% of the population have a faulty set of genes or a faulty gene. So that might be like a chromosome 23 deficiency, for example, um, which would be Down syndrome. Um, or another you know, chromosome, um, the HLA-B27 gene, which could cause um, ankylosing spondylitis or other types of arthritis or arthropathies. And so those faulty genes are, make up about 5% of the population. The rest of the genes that we've got require an environmental trigger to kick things off in order for that gene to program. Now, I like to say that if your genes require certain types of materials, if your body requires certain types of materials to manufacture something, if you give it the wrong materials or there's a slight error in the type of materials that you've given the body, then when the gene has to read from, or when the gene's being read from by the body, the body could be using poorer quality materials. And that's where things can go wrong. And and that's that's the confusing bit for people in that the gene only reads, was read from when required. And that means that it's required when there's a trigger and if we can work out what those triggers are, that would then help us understand better what it is that we need to do to work with a set of genes that we've got, as opposed to hearing that we've got the MTHFR genes and we now need to take activated Bs and folinic acid and not folic acid and those sorts of things. They're still Band-Aids for that. you know. So we've got to try and work out how do we best work with the genes that we've got as opposed to just taking a supplement, a pill for an ill. So this, so this comes down to, yeah, so this is the, that question that comes down to like what opens the pages of the book on the bookshelf or um, what, what, so that you're really referring to now, I gather, lifestyle factors, environmental factors. So now, I mean, put me off, put me on course if I'm going off course, but now we're talking about um, stress, we're talking about diet, we're talking about movement or lack thereof. So, you know, pages of the book being opened if we're sedentary and we hardly exercise and then other pages of the book being opened when we've got an active lifestyle and we're good at managing stress, we're good at responding well rather than reacting to the stresses of the day. Like, is this that conversation around lifestyle factors and gene expression? Yeah, absolutely, PC, and our exposure to other environmental things. So, We consider the three stresses, and in chiropractic, we talk about the three different stresses. So you're talking chemical stress, so to everything that goes in and on your body and that's in your environment on the outside of your body unless you put it inside your body. So your environment inside your body and your environment outside of your body has the potential to provide chemical stress to your body, and that's a stressor. Then there's the emotional stress. That could be anything to do with work. It could be anything to do with relationships, finance, um, whether or not you've got a house, you know, whether or not someone's, you know, doing whatever it takes to execute a contract, for example, those sorts of things, that stress, which is that emotional, mental stress, which we often are all aware of, um, that's one of the three stressors. And then the other stress is physical stress. So the, our very first physical stress is the birthing process. And then beyond that, it continues to happen, you know, slips and falls, jump off trampolines, falling off bikes, car accidents, all these sorts of things. These are all other physical stressors that cause stress on our body that then triggers our body to read from the playbook, our genes. And so it's the stress or the environmental trigger the epigenetic 
above the gene trigger that tells our body to read from the genes to understand how we've got to cope with that sort of situation. So our collective, and just uh, because I know, you know, some people will be familiar with this, but some people aren't. So how many books on the bookshelf, how many genes in the human genome? Oh, look, I'm pretty sure it's about 30,000 um, from memory. Um, and, you know, I think we're expecting a gene for every single disease. So there was a there was a thought, you know, when the Human Genome Project was being undertaken that we would, we would eventually find the gene for every single disease and we'd be able to genetically modify and manipulate the body so that you never got those diseases. Um, yeah. And we, we're probably, what, 40 years on since the Human Genome Project was completed. Um, the Drosophila fly, the fruit fly, has more genes in it than what we do, um, and 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 it's really the pairing of or the behaviour of sets of genes and pairs of genes that causes disease process to take place. You know, so so the 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 bookshelf uh, with you know thousands because again i'm doing a quick google search and you know every time i change a word in the google search there's a different amount of genes that come up it's like <laughs> so it's like some institutions want to have the highest number some are saying a hundred thousand some are saying as you are like around thirty thousand some are saying between 50 and, and seventy thousand, and some are referencing like you said the the human genome project so clearly even those numbers as much as the human genome project put a number on it clearly people are now debating the science <laughs> <laughs> the, well, that's one the thing that the I researchers love. Researchers are debating for. the science and the research. Yeah, I love science for that because that's what science is meant to do: help us ask better questions and create debate. Like science isn't meant to just provide an answer and then you walk away from it and go, oh, "Yeah, I believe that." Yeah, um, science is actually meant to trigger thought and to trigger further exploration and ask better questions, which is what this is. This is what we're talking about, and this is what we're doing. We're asking better questions, but also discussing the role of genes. So, just because you've got a gene doesn't mean you'll get the disease. That's what I want to say. Mm. But when you do have a gene, if you continue to put yourself in the environment that would require that gene to be read from, then you could be increasing your risk of something going wrong. Um, And the flip of that is if you shift and change and alter your environment so that the genes that you've got read from a different playbook or your body reads from a different gene page, then you have the ability to prevent disease um, and maybe even cure it. So, you know, I think it's very, very important to understand that genes aren't a destiny. Genes Mm. are a instruction manual. Here's Here's another classic way to look at this. If you had your architect draw up some plans and you put them on the block of land and you just put a stake through those plans and walked away, from the block of land and came back six months later, would you expect to see that there'd be six months worth of progress on your house or would you just see the plans just there with the stake through them? (laughs) And the answer is you just see the stake through them. Now, let's say, for example, you had the choice of two different builders. You had builder A who's going to charge you $2 bucks to build this house. You had builder B who's going to charge you $200,000 to build the same house. Let's say you chose builder B and you went with a $200,000 build. Would it be as good a build as the $2 million build? And the answer is probably you'd hope not. not. <laughs> um, you'd hope not. Um, and certainly in order to manage costs and all that sort of stuff, some shortcuts would have taken place. To You would have chosen different materials and so on and so forth. And so there's a $200,000 version of those plans 
executed. Mm. And there's a $2 million version of those plans that are executed. And you get to choose which execution of the plans you want. And that's where lifestyle comes into it. So every time we make a decision, we're essentially choosing a $200,000 build or a $2 million build. So you're saying every time we choose to um, uh, make dinner at home from scratch with our family, eat well, um, eat slowly, have great conversation, that's a $2 million build. But every time we say, I've got nothing in the pantry, I'm not going to go shopping, I'm just going to get fast food, I'm going to eat it in the car, I'm going to let the sauce spill on my lap and I'm going to come home, not even full and a bit annoyed because I've got Maccas spread all over the car, mm-hmm. um, that's a $200,000 build. That's and the genes are just responding to whatever it is, whatever environment you've put them in. Yeah, that's exactly right. So you are in control of your environment to a large extent and you have the opportunity to improve that. Um, you can improve the air quality in your house, for example, just getting a water, an air filter. You mm. can improve your water quality by using a water filter. You know, the, you could you could do so many different things. You could choose to eat more vegetables. You could choose to eat better quality cuts of protein. You could mm. choose to exercise more frequently. You could choose to go for a walk instead of sitting on the couch. There's so many different things that you could do. You could do 60 push-ups every single day. Mm. So there's lots of different things that you get to choose to alter your environment that will determine the outcome and the way in which your body reads from your genes. So that just um, that just really leads well to the role of family history and health outcomes because a lot of people feel like they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense, Damo. But you know, my dad died of 50, died at fifty of a heart disease, so um, you know, I've got to watch my heart. Or you know, my mum died of breast cancer when she was forty five, so I've got to be really mindful of that. So what? You just said, you know, genes are not your destiny. What role does family history have in health outcomes and in that um, gene expression? Uh, it's a, that's a great question. And a, a little story, my grandfather died at 50 of a massive blowout. His heart just blew out and he died at 50, right? So um, my dad was petrified that he would die at 50. And and what had happened was the week before my grandfather died, my dad and he had gone fishing. And uh, and then about a week before my dad turned 50, he and I went fishing and my dad was petrified that he was going to die of a heart attack. He thought the history might repeat itself. Wow. Isn't that unbelievable? And so here I am like a few months out from turning 50 and if I go fishing with Jackson, could I die? <laughs> <laughs> but here's the point. Here's the point. If you live like your parents – in other words, you copy the behaviors of your parents, then you're likely to develop the diseases and the life of your parents. Mm-hmm. So that's called familial. That's not genetic. And so the familial link to disease is that you do what was done and you get what was got. Mm. And that's exactly you know what that situation is. My dad didn't have that same lifestyle that my grandfather did, didn't have the same stressors that my grandfather did. And uh, had a very, very different life to what my grandfather did. And then same here. Like me, I have a very different life to what my dad has. And I eat very differently and I drink very differently. And I don't, you know, I haven't had the same sorts of stressors that my dad's had. I've had different stresses, but it's different, right? So it's different. So I shouldn't expect to get the same diseases that my dad got. He shouldn't expect to get the same diseases as what his dad got because there's different environmental triggers. Can just I've just got one more question because I'm I'm conscious I could we could talk about this forever but um 
Can we just quickly talk about the role of stress and gene expression? Because we spoke about chemical stress, emotional stress, and physical stress. But the, the stress that I'm talking about is more that that busy, that busy lifestyle stress, probably more that lack of stillness and that lack of um shifting gears down and everything's like fast. And it's like the body never really has a chance to rest and repair. Can you talk about that from the perspective of genes? Like what how does that impact genes when you know people are so busy and then they're going to bed late and they're, they're scrolling on the socials or they're watching streaming services and they're not getting that what that rest and repair? How does that apply to yeah that the to genes and um, on that level? That's that's a great question, Piercy. And so if you consider this, that if you don't get enough rest, then your body is tired. Your body will have. Uh, genes that are set up for when it's tired. So how do I behave and how do I respond when I'm tired? And potentially, it's like having an overworked workforce. You know, if your workers aren't going on holidays or they're not getting sleep and rest, then their output's going to be poorer. Um, the same thing happens with your body. So if you don't give your body the opportunity to move into your parasympathetics, which is, you know, moving away from fight and flight and into rest and digest and heal, if you don't move into that for long enough and regularly enough, then your workers, your cells will have poorer output. And so whilst you might provide it with organic food and take all the supplements that you could, you know, poke a stick at and do as many walks as you possibly could ever do and practice yoga four or five times a week and then journal, um, have your green smoothie made <laughs> from kale and avocado with coconut water and chia seeds. You Shame. can do all of those things, right? You can do all of that stuff and be not resting. Um, and as a result of not resting, not activating your parasympathetics, you're making your workers, your cells function poorly. And so it's not that you've got to be perfect at each of these things, but these are all things that you could consider to uh, to improve your environment. And that's really what it is. It's the pursuit of improvement of your environment. It's almost you're going back to the beginning of your analogy with the bookshelf. It's like you're pulling the books out really quickly and flicking through the pages a lot when you're not giving yourself the the chance to rest. And that's that's whether that's going to damage the books. It's like a well-read book. Um, yep. The text becomes worn and faded because it's just being used and read in a Pages are getting crinkled or dog-eared or whatever it is. And or put yeah. back in the bookshelf out of order. Like oh. You could have, you know, you might have put oh. them in the wrong spot. Maybe oh. you've mucked up the Dewey system. Yeah. And so all of a sudden you can't find that book when you need to use it. Um, mm. And you're under the pump and you're stressed out. So you sub in something else, another set of instructions to actually get you through that tricky time. And, uh, and, and they could be, of course, the wrong instructions. You might grow a finger on your toe. Damo. <laughs> probably not but this you know. this has been an engrossing genes 101 conversation thank you so much as always for your genetic wisdom <laughs> you're welcome pc you are welcome Damo. i reckon my wife sebe is the queen of analogies but after listening to your books library analogy around genes you now get the number one mantle you get the gold medal of analogies congratulations that helped a lot on that episode of the laws of wellness thanks piercy there's nothing better than making a complex subject simple and uh and Zaparis lawyers do that with law and we do this with our health and well-being nutrition lifestyle information and we hope you enjoyed this podcast i reckon it's in the top 20 
um, of Zapara's Lawyers Laws of Wellness podcast, and uh, it's a cracker. So share it, let everybody know, particularly when you're having that chat about, I've got this gene, what do you reckon? Uh, make sure that you share it to those friends and family that are interested. Um, give them the links, folks. It's easy to do, and uh, we thank you for your support of the Laws of Wellness, and uh, I think this is more than top 20. This is top three, Damo. This is on the dais. Um, <laughs> It's got, a, it's got a medal. Yeah, it's, it's definitely got, got a medal. Silverware. It's yeah, got a medal. Good work, everyone at the Laws of Wellness for encouraging this podcast to be out in the world. Go and share it with all your friends and family. And until next time, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Bye for now.